And welcome to Monster Movie Funtime Go. I am your host, Honey Bee. And I am also your host, Precious D. And today we are talking about Mothra. 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 Oh man, I am always excited for our Japanese movies. They always yes. uh, prove to be so good every time. <laughs> I really liked this movie. Mosuraya. Mosuraya. <laughs> yes. This is the Mothra from 1961 in color. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese version is 101 minutes. The U.S. version, 88 minutes. The Japanese version does not seem to be readily available, but... It's, as far as I can tell, basically the same movie, just with some edits. It's not like Godzilla where anything major's been done. There's no American main character inserted or anything like that. Varen also had major changes. Soon we'll be getting to King Kong versus Godzilla, and the two versions of that are quite different. Holy shit. uh, Mothra, yeah, is just trimmed a little bit for the American release. I'm so excited. Uh, it's directed by Ishiro Honda. Same yeah, guy has been directing all of these Godzilla movies. Yeah, baby. Stars Frankie Saki, Koyoko Kagawara, Kagawa. Sorry, I can't read my own writing again. Hiroshi Kozumi plays Chujo, who we have seen previously as Sochi in Godzilla Raids Again. And we will see him in more Godzilla and Godzilla-related movies all the way up to 2003. Wow. Where he will play Dr. Chujo again. Oh! Akahika Harata is in it in a small part, playing some doctor. (laughs) Some doctor. Honeybee, do you remember Akahiko Harata? Uh, I don't know. I guess not. Because I ask you every time. He was Sirizawa in Godzilla and Ryoshi in The Mysterians. Oh, yeah. And he will also appear in many more of these movies. Takashi Shimura plays the newspaper editor, and he was Dr. Yamane in Godzilla and Godzilla Raids Again. And Kenji Sahara, who was the main guy in Rodan, appears briefly as the helicopter pilot. But we will see him again in many more of these movies. The budget was 200 million yen. I don't have a box office figure. The featured monster is Mothra. Mothra. Not sure how big Mothra is. And the death count is 202, according to Kill Count's wiki. Oh, I thought there was a part in the movie, though, where he says, like, thousands have been killed. He may have. I don't remember. Or I think they say thousands could be killed or might be killed. Oh, okay. Maybe they say that was going to kill. I don't know. I have it written down somewhere. We'll get there. Kill counts seem to think that 172 civilians are killed. Hmm. It's a high kill count either way. There's 17 civilians, and then they mention a number of individual people that are. Yeah, it's high. It's up there. 
they're also counting the they're also counting the vampire plant as being killed by the Shobinji. So I don't know that I would have counted the plants. Uh, and our uh, other stars of this film are the Peanuts, Emmy and Yumi Ito, who were twin sisters that had a musical act under the name The Peanuts. The Peanuts. They had a bit of a international career and recorded some American albums on Columbia Records. Columbia is the American distributor and co-producer or whatever of this movie. And that's how they ended up getting involved. And I think originally there were going to be more of these little tiny fairy people. And they decide once they realized they could get the peanuts, they decided to stick with just two. For some reason, twins are relatively rare in Japan. So everybody was was fascinated by this uh, pair of twin singers. And they make a couple of these movies as these characters, and then these characters will continue to appear played by other people going forward in the history of these uh, Godzilla-related movies. And then for the racism factor, I just wrote, oof. Yeah. Ouchie. (laughs) We, oh, man. So remember back in Varen, the unbelievable there were these uh, sort of native people. Quote, unquote. (laughs) I looked into it a little more since we watched that movie. These are the Ainu people who are an ethnicity in Japan. They're kind of a little bit like the Aboriginal people in uh, New Zealand or or Australia, in that they lived in those islands before what we think of as Japanese people moved into those islands. Okay. So they are sort of an ethnic minority in that area of the world who have a distinct culture that from the mainstream Japanese culture. Sure. And there's been sort of a history of prejudice and, and anti-Anu sentiment in Japanese culture that then is, is now looked back on with embarrassment. Uh-huh. So I think there was a little bit after Varen, there was a little bit of a backlash from presenting them as being sort of primitive people and even deformed. Apparently there was some scene, some scenes that are cut from later, just some shots cut from later releases of Varen, some shots that are unflattering and inaccurate to these people. Hmm. So I think because because of that, and I didn't come up with this idea myself, there's this great book I've been reading that has a lot of information on these films. Uh, but perhaps because of that, they didn't want, they had, wanted to have these natives, but didn't want to portray them as uh, I knew. So they portray them as sort of... Uh, generic non-specific uh, kind of pacific islanders who are played by japanese actors in brownface like real bad yeah so it's not great and it's just sort of weird <laughs> to see you know there's obviously in our country there is an unfortunate history of white people making themselves up to look like black people or or various other non-white races, brown face, yellow face. And it's just so odd to see it happening elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> to see, uh, cause certainly there's a, been a history of uh, white people dressing up as Japanese people. Seeing Japanese people dressing up to look like Pacific Islanders is just kind of 
weird just goes to show you that uh, people can make poor choices no matter where they're from. Yeah. <laughs> and things that once seemed fine now just look uh, awkward and unfortunate and racist when looked at through a modern lens. Yeah, totally. But on the other hand, these are the good guys of the film. So there's that. Uh... I wrote like, oh no, the natives question mark. <laughs> And I was like, are these natives in blackface? Because it was very, um, like, obviously. In King Kong versus Godzilla, there will be some blackface. There'll be some Japanese made up as some sort of African type people in that movie. So we have that to look forward to. Um, yeah. Uh. I also, something that was weird, I couldn't figure out if the natives were like normal size or if they were the size of the like little peanuts because. I felt like they kept going back and forth. Like sometimes oh. they would be big, but then sometimes they would look tiny. And I was like, so are the natives yeah. like these little fairy people or are they like no. what? I was like confused about that also. Just the two of them. Yeah. Are, are miniature people. <laughs> and it is never really explained why. Yeah. They just are. They just are. The rest of them are normal size, normal human size. The, uh, in the movie, they, uh, well, they just call them the girls most of the time, mm-hmm. but they also call them the fairies because they put on a, make them get into a, a show called the the fairy show. Uh, but they are referred to as the shobinji, which means small beauties. Which apparently, is a phrase the writer the writer coined. But I think in some later films they're also called the cosmos. So yeah, they're they're and it's not explained why. There's these two miniature twins amongst a normal population, but they seem to have, they're special and they have special powers. Yeah. I will say though, I was excited this um, week because last week we did Conga and I really wanted Conga to be a lady monster. And <laughs> it was disappointing that it, that Conga was a boy. So I was excited this week that Mothra is a lady, right? Is Mothra she a lady? Is. She is. They refer to Mothra as she, yes. Throughout okay, the... I thought so. Mothra uses she pronouns. Yay! So, uh, I, I mean, I know we've had, like, the, the gigantic woman, the 50-foot woman or whatever. But she, was, yes. wasn't, she wasn't the monster of that movie, and we all fucking know it. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, we're getting some lady, a little lady monster action, and I'm excited about that. Yeah. So let's uh, get into it. We open, well, there's first there's credits and there's over top of some stone with some kind of runes or carved into it that are not Japanese runes. They're probably just made up stuff. It's the <laughs> language of the people on Infant Island, as we'll find out. But once the movie starts, we open on some sort of a weather headquarters sending or receiving reports of a big typhoon and then a ship at sea in the typhoon. And they're trying to figure out what their position is. And one of the guys says, we're in the atomic test area. So we're back to the whole atomic tests are not good for Japan thing. Yeah. (laughs) Or for anybody, really. And the storm is tearing up the ship, so they all have to abandon ship. The next morning, we see the island and there are ships and helicopters looking for the missing ship. And the helicopter pilot mentions it's bad flying around this radioactive area. And this, I believe, is Kenji Sahara. Mm-hmm. And survivors are spotted on the beach. They're going to try to pick them up. But then a boat picks them up. Yeah, I was confused about that, too. I was like, 
they were like in a helicopter and they're like there they are we were going down to get them and then it was like a boat pulling up and i was like wait what yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh although that could be a translation problem and then uh some kind of untranslated headline or sign comes up on the screen oh uh speaking of translation i don't (sighs) throughout this movie the dubbing because we're watching the american version Mm-hmm. The voice actors for the dubbing seem to be putting on Japanese accents. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's pretty insulting. Yeah, I just found that really weird. Because normally when a movie like this is dubbed, they just speak straight. Because from their perspective, they're not speaking with an accent. Japanese right. people are just speaking Japanese. They're not speaking it with a Japanese accent. Normally in that kind of movie... It's just dubbed straight. But these actors all seem to be trying to play Japanese. And I don't think it's a case where we have actual Japanese voice over artists who just happen to have accents. I I think they're putting it on. So that's weird. Yeah. Except for a guy that we're going to get to who has what seems to be a Russian accent, but is not Russian. Mm. Uh, (laughs) So later at the National Synthesis Nucleus Center... The press is wanting an interview with the survivors. And there's a bunch of ladders in the lobby for some reason. (laughs) We cut to the doctors and the examination records on the survivors are astounding. And once again, I said, time is fleeting. Time is fleeting. The the doctor says, I can't understand it. (laughs) Uh, And this is uh, our man, uh, Akihiko Hirata, uh, this doctor here at the beginning. The men are brought in and the doctors start questioning them and they complain that they're hungry. <laughs> and then a couple of reporters have snuck in disguised as doctors. One is a photographer, a, a lady, uh, Michi. Michi. The other is a man who has a name, but I'm going to call him Bulldog throughout. Yeah. Bulldog is his nickname. Uh-huh. Uh, Fukada. Zenchiro Fukada. But his nickname is Bulldog because he's like a bulldog. When he gets a hold of a story, he won't mm-hmm. let go. He won't let go of it. Rather than kicking them out, they let them stay and ask questions. And the big question is, why do you not appear to be suffering from any radiation poisoning when you are in this highly radioactive area? And they say it must have been the juice <laughs> that the natives gave us. Blame it on the juice. There's a big thing about, what, wait, what natives? There's not supposed to be any natives on that island. That's why we were doing nuclear testing there. Not the Japanese, though. We'll get to that in a second. At the paper, Bulldog and his editor talk about what the headline's going to be, Mysterious Natives on Biru Island. So here's the thing. In the texts online and all the wikis and all the you know Godzilla lore, this island is called Infant Island. In the Japanese version, that's what it's called or what it's translated as. But in this version, they refer to it as Biro Island. Weird. Maybe just, I don't know, the dubbing matched their lips better to say that instead of translating it as Infant Island. Uh, I don't know. Weird. And they want to get a quote from the ambassador, the Rolisican ambassador. So in this movie, they have made up this country, Rolisica, which is... A sort of a mashup of America and Russia uh-huh. because they those were the two countries with the nuclear weapons and the nuclear testing. So for some reason, they didn't want to either call out America or Russia in the movie. So they did a made up country. 
<laughs> so throughout the movie, they talk about Relisica and this businessman who's from Relisica and the Relisica ambassador. Yeah. And the ambassador is at some kind of press conference telling everybody, we checked to see if the island was inhabited before the test. Don't know why the natives are there. I'm not even sure they really are there. Someone asked, are you going to send an expedition? And he says, likely. Back at the paper, the editor asked if anyone is an authority on the island. Yes, Dr. Chujo, uh, Bulldog is going to set up an interview with him and has already sent Michi to get a picture. And she comes in at that moment to show the picture she took. And the doctor's hiding behind a book because he doesn't like pictures being taken of him. I guess this is a good point to talk about this. This movie is all much more of a comedy, yeah. lighthearted than any of the Toho movies that we've seen. Then Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, Rodan, Varen. Those were all, they have maybe had some funny moments, but they're all much more serious. Uh-huh. And this movie is more, we're just going to make an entertaining movie with a bunch of crazy shit. The guy playing Bulldog, I think, is kind of known as being a comedian. And it's all much more family-friendly and lighthearted and funny. And that's going to be the tone going forward for a while. Oh, okay. Until it's not. (laughs) Until it's not. At the interview, Chujo is hiding behind the newspaper until Michi promises not to take his picture. And then she gets scared by a mouse on the couch. Yeah. And it's Shinji's pet mouse. Yeah, he calls his uh, a kid that turns out to his to be his brother. He calls him in there, and he's like, "Oh no, my mouse got loose!" And it ends up inside a bulldog's. There's just some straight up comedy nonsense here. The mouse gets inside a bulldog's shirt and then climbs down his pant leg, and he finally gets him out. And then they continue their interview. But this introduces <laughs> the kid, who, uh, you know, he's another. What do you call him? Panchito. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say Juanito, but yeah, Panchito. Yeah. Juanito. He's the, the Panchito of this movie. Yeah. They ask him if he's going to go on this expedition, and he says he is. And then Michi uses her spy camera that is disguised as a <laughs> functional cigarette lighter to take a picture of him while, he has his, while he's not looking. <laughs> There's some speculation about... The Polynesian islands used to all be connected together like some kind of ancient Atlantis that really has nothing to do with anything. You just kind of throw that out there. Yeah. To let us know what kind of movie this is, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And then the expedition members are arriving at the airport and there's the reporters are there. And this guy, Nelson. Is this the Russian accent? Yes. The Relisican ambassador is being played by uh, a white guy an American or a European. I don't know who the actor is, but Nelson is a Relisican businessman who is heading up this expedition. He is being played by a Japanese actor, but the dubbing is being done as if he's got some kind of Russian accent. At least it seems to me that's what they're trying to put across to make it clear to us that he is from a different country. Uh, I don't know. And uh, Michi and Bulldog talk about they're not really participating. They're there, but they're not really participating in the press conference. And they talk about him a little bit. But Nelson tells us, though, that reporters are not going to be allowed on the expedition. But just because of efficiency, not because I'm trying to hide anything. We just don't have room for any extra people. Later at the dock, 
the expedition is leaving. So they all came on from different places to the airport, and then they all go to the dock where they get on a ship to go to the island. And this is a whole big deal. There's a brass band and crowds waving yeah, at the ship. Yeah, it's like a parade or some shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's the kind of thing you see in movies all the time. With there's confetti in the air and people waving at the ship. But that idea is is. I think that used to happen when there wasn't anything else for people to do. <laughs> <laughs> so they just go down to the dock and wave at whatever ship was arriving or leaving. Uh. It just seems a little bit late in society for everybody or or that i don't know i guess the expedition's a big thing and it's got a lot of press so everybody's there waving Um, yeah yeah, and that brass fucking band (laughs) dr harada and chujo are on the deck and they talk about oh no but first bulldog and michi are in the crowd Uh watching the ship go and then michi looks around and bulldog has disappeared yeah so later, Harada and Chujo are on the deck and they talk about what a Dick Nelson is and how everything's got to be cleared through him. Mm-hmm. In his cabin, Nelson catches Bulldog sneaking around. He's snuck onto the ship and dressed himself up as a like a porter. Yeah, at this point in the movie, I'm thinking like, oh, this guy is like shady. He kind of sucks. Like, I didn't really realize like how good of a guy bulldog was at this point in the movie i was just kind of like you oh, right he's like a like a snaky reporter yeah he's trying to get that story being told he can't go is not going to stop him uh-huh. no it turns out nelson is is the scumbag in this movie yeah and he pulls a gun on on uh, bulldog who claims he was just dusting and and uh, he, he grabs his id out of his pocket and sees who he is and then before he can shoot him or whatever he was going to do <laughs> Chujo comes in and asks, do I have to clear my notes through you as well? And he says, yes. And he's like, are those realistic in orders? And he's like, no, they're mine. He's like, all right, then I'll ignore them. (laughs) We cut to, we're now entering the radioactive zone. And Dr. Harada is meeting with the crew. And we find out that he kept Bulldog from being thrown overboard. But he he is now being compelled to act as a guard and not a reporter. He's not allowed to do reporter shit. But he's got to pull his weight on this expedition. And they all kind of complain about Nelson being a dictator. Then on deck, the crew is being briefed about their equipment. They've all got radioactive gear, protective clothing, helmets and stuff. And there's an emergency button like on their right shoulder. Big red button that will sound a siren alarm if they get into any kind of trouble. Right. Uh, then the expedition is hiking across the island, and uh, they come up over Rocky Hill and see a green forest spread out in front of them. They all seem really impressed by this. Yeah, I was confused. I was confused at this part because I'm like, I guess like the camera goes to this jungly type, and I'm like, what am I looking at here? And it just like pans to this jungle type, and everyone's like amazed. And I'm like, am I missing it? Like, what am I supposed to be? Amazed at, I guess it's just the jungle. I think what's meant to be amazing is that they've been doing nuclear tests on this island. So this rocky, barren terrain they've been hiking across is what they'd expect. Yeah. Because they've been dropping bombs. But, it's but then they like come up over this hill and everything, everything's lush and green and alive. Yeah. And why? Because we've been bombed, because the Relisicans have been bombing the shit out of this island. It's... Nobody says this explicitly, though. I think we're just meant to understand. Yeah. Oh, it shouldn't look like this. 
so then later they're setting up equipment and bulldogs following Nelson around, but claims he's just looking he's, that he's just lost and he's looking for Chujo, which maybe he is because Chujo's off by himself and gets attacked. He finds these giant plants that he thinks are mutations of molds. And maybe the juice, the anti-radioactive juice came from these. Uh-huh. Then, uh, which ends up in the end not being that important. They don't like bring yeah. back a lot of this juice to treat people with. They don't talk about these plants. You know, why is it all green here? There must be some thing about this island that makes them res- that makes everything here resistant to radiation. They don't really ad- address any of this stuff. Yeah. It's just weird. But then Bulldogs finds a uh, Dr. Herrera Herrera and tells him that Chujo is lost. And we see these plants grab Chujo and his alarm goes off. And it sounds like someone is making a balloon animal. These, this <laughs> plant like grabbing him. It just sounds like squeaking rubber. The whole, like, I'm just like, what the hell is this sound effect? These like uh, plant tentacles come and like grab him. And it's just like squeak. Like, like someone's like making a balloon animal. Yeah. Well, as he passes out, we get sort of a fuzzy glimpse from his perspective, a fuzzy glimpse of the fairies as he passes out. And then everybody comes running up. They find him unconscious, but he's no longer engulfed by the plants. He's just laying there passed out. Yeah. When he comes to later, everybody's surrounding him and he talks about being attacked by a carnivorous plant. Maybe it's one of the same ones that... uh, Dr. Douchebag from Conga was studying. Uh, one of the guys says, a vampire plant? Sure. Let's call it that. Yeah, that one. And he just talks about these little girls and they're like, children? He's like, no, no, uh, women, full-grown women, except they're only one feet high. And Herodotus says, well, we'll have to look for them tomorrow. Good night. <laughs> Bulldog sticks around to try and get more of the story about these beauties, but Chujo just Chujo just blows him off and is like, well, time to go to bed now. He's like, oh, Jesus, I'm trying to get an interview here. What the hell? And the next day, the expedition purposely sets off the emergency signal to lure the girls. They think they must have responded to the sound of the signal. Mm-hmm. And then they find them hiding under some bushes. So these, as we mentioned, the twin women uh nice looking cute women who are singers we find out later and they're dressed in sort of uh sort of vaguely nativey looking outfits so this is also a weird thing though they just look japanese yeah but all the rest of the natives are are made up to look darker and to look not japanese to look polynesian vague whatever polynesian is that's what they're made up to look like i say it's a pretty broad term but they're generic Polynesians, but they, they can't understand what the girls are saying. But Chujo is a linguist. That's why he was brought on this expedition and he translates and they just want the island left alone. And everybody seems very nice and understanding about it. And Bulldog's like, oh, yeah, take your nuclear test somewhere else. Yeah, sure. I get that. They all get it. Except for Nelson, who just grabs them. They come to Papa. Yeah. And yoink. <laughs> And then a bunch of the natives appear behind them. Like bumping, like drums, like squad. Yes. They're trying to uh, intimidate them by beating on their drums and sort of 
brandishing weapons and they're kind of surrounded. Nelson just immediately wants to shoot his way out. And Harada's like, oh, wait, hey, there's no need for violence. Put down the guns and put down the girls. Because, of course, the natives are upset. You've just grabbed these girls. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they know them. And don't you want you grabbing them? And, yeah. Uh, and the, the fairies just sort of curtsy and wave and smile. Bye. And run away. <laughs> Bye. They were very smiling. There's, they're, yes, they seem very happy. Even when they're sad, they're very happy. Yeah. And they're kind of, this whole situation they end up in later, they kind of take it all pretty well because I guess they know that in the end, they're going to be okay. But they also, uh, maybe it's part of just their weird magical nature that they're oh, just kind of, okay, bye now. <laughs> and, you know, they never get mad about how dare you have touched us like that or how dare you have held us captive and made us perform. They're just like, uh, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Okay, bye. And they're always curtsy and they're very polite. <laughs> so anyway, they're like, all right, let's back to the ship. And Bulldog just gets a bad feeling that maybe it wasn't very lucky for us to come to this island. We cut to the expedition coming home. Michi's waiting at the dock. And is like, hey, what's going on? You didn't see. At some point, they figured out that he was on the ship, but he did not send a single story back. And the editor is angry. Later, Chujo and Bulldog are just hanging out at Chujo's place, I guess, talking about Nelson. There's no background on him. They can't find out any birth date or anything like that. But several years ago, he went to the Amazon in search of a tribe of natives. But it was a failure. Yeah. Bulldog speculates that he's some sort of crooked international arms dealer. You know, the, a Tomb Raider kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. It goes places and just takes their shit. And that he found a chart in his cabin. But he doesn't really elaborate on a chart of what... This is why he thinks this, because of the chart that he found. But he doesn't give us a lot of detail about that. Yeah. And then Chujo shows him a copy he made of some symbols that he found in the cave while they were on the island. And he thinks he's deciphered it. And this recurring symbol here, by comparing it to similar languages that he has studied, he's figured it out. And there's this recurring symbol here, and I think it means Mothra, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't know what Mothra is. Right. They'll find out. <laughs> Back to the jungle with the alarms going off. Yes, Nelson and his flunkies have returned to the island, unbeknownst to everyone else, to capture the fairies. Because Nelson is a... Relisican Denim. Yeah. Carl. Carl Denim. He's the Relisican Carl Denim. It's exactly the same kind of thing. Yeah. Except that he never has any remorse for what he does. Yeah. So they, they grab the fairies and the natives once again approach with their drums and stuff. And Nelson and his men just fill them full of lead. He's like, we'll shoot our way out. Yep. They've got a bunch of some kind of automatic weapons that are just mowing these guys down. And one old man climbs to Mothra's temple and calls out for Mothra as he collapses. And these rocks crumble, revealing a giant egg. Giant egg. Back at the paper, the editor chews out Bulldog for not reporting about the girls. Because now it's a while later and there's a picture. There's pictures of... Nelson posing with the with the girls, he's going to be putting on a show with them, we find out. So the story about them's out, and why didn't you report on this? 
And he says, well, we kind of all agreed not to talk about it. This bulldog reporter who won't let go of a story made a moral decision along with everybody else in the expedition, except except for Nelson, that it would be better for the girls and for the natives if we just don't talk about it. Because they didn't want this kind of shit to happen. That's that's happening. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want to ruin these natives and their culture and their special miniature ladies. So we agreed not to tell everybody. But Nelson's a dick, so now everybody knows. Yeah, and he's like, his boss is like, are you a social worker or are you a reporter? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, damn. Yep. Uh, so later, cut to the theater where the show is being put, uh, the opening night, I guess. Nelson's put together a show, just like in King Kong, only it's going to take a little bit longer for things to go bad. And he comes out on stage to announce the thing and says, we live in the atomic age. Do miracles and wonders still exist? And, uh, you know, just a bunch of showman stuff. And we see that Bulldog and Chujo and Shinji are at the show. And here we find out that Chujo is Shinji's brother. This was not clearly stated before whether he was his father or his uncle or what. He's his brother. The show starts and like way up above the balcony, a little door opens and this sort of fairy tale Cinderella kind of carriage, carriage but without yeah. any horses floats down. And it's not clear if it's meant to be coming down on a wire or if we're supposed to believe it's actually flying. Yeah, I was confused. But maybe we are supposed to believe it's flying because the crowd seems very impressed by this. Yeah. Very excited. And the two little ladies. They It lands and he opens the door and the ladies step out and they sing the Mothra song. Mothra, Mothra, And there are also natives like behind them, like the blackface natives dancing behind them. Yes. Which I was like, what? Well, I assumed that these were dancers he had hired to pretend to be natives, that they were not more people he had kidnapped from the island. Oh, okay. Uh, like the dancers we saw way back in Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Uh, just people pretending. So, uh, but for whatever reason, the fairies are going along with this. But it turns out their song is summoning Mothra, unbeknownst to Mr. Asshole. Turns out it's a really bad idea for him to have them sing this song. And uh, the this, this song essentially means uh, Mothra, O Mothra, with the power of your ancestors, grant the prayer of your followers, arise and show your power. And variations of this song appear in later movies. These The little beauties are frequently singing this song cool. or some version of it. Or a new version. They have a couple other songs that they sing throughout the movies. And at some point, somebody writes a new version of the Mothra song. Chujo recognizes the melody from the island. They, yes, I wrote, Chujo and Bulldog talk during the show. How rude. 
uh, Chujo tells him that the Rusicans, Rusilicans, whatever they're called, weren't enthusiastic about the ex- expedition. They only agreed because Nelson paid for it. And then we cut to Infant Island, where the natives are also singing and dancing and performing some sort of ceremony in front of the egg. And this presented as this as if this is happening simultaneously, as if there's some sort of direct uh, psychic connection between the fairies and the people that are still on the island. After the show, the girls are singing in their cage and Michi tries to get. Yes, the Nelson keeps them in a dressing room backstage, locked up in a cage. Michi tries to get an interview, and Nelson's men manhandle her, and then Chujo and Bulldog come in and yell at Nelson for exploiting and enslaving the girls. And what I want to know is why have the authorities not gotten involved? Because he clearly has kidnapped and enslaved them. The scientists know it and the reporter knows it, and they should have reported this whole thing to the authorities. There should be some sort of immigration thing as well. Like, you can't just bring these people into the country and without any documentation. At some point, the authorities should have intervened and said, and somebody should have said, are, are you here willingly? And where are you from? And, you know, it shouldn't be up to just some reporter and some linguist to... <laughs> deal with this situation yeah and then whenever the bulldog guy tries to like stand up and say something sort of like this he's like well you saw the girls singing they were enjoying themselves they they like yeah. it they like me and he's like this is slavery you can't do that yep uh but then for some strange reason nelson agrees to let them see the girls for three minutes but no cameras <laughs> but we know michi has a spy camera uh, so they go in and talk to them, and they don't seem to recognize Chujo at first until he reminds them of where they've met. Yeah, Shinji, the, the his his uh, brother, just wants to break him out and make a run for it. And then we find out that the girls are telepathic because they start speaking English or Japanese, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and they have worked it out. But they say we're we're telepathic. Actually, only thoughts have meaning to us. But it's taken a while for them to I don't know connect their telepathy to their mouth so that they can <laughs> speak and be understood. But it's not implied that they're just speaking directly telepathically into their brains. They are moving their mouths and words are coming out. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. They they have learned to speak. English slash Japanese by telepathically communicating long enough that they figured it out. I guess. And they and they conveniently say, we don't know how to explain it very well. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and Michi, Michi uses her spy camera. And they say, well, we will return to our island, but they're unhappy that Mothra will hurt innocent people when she comes to rescue them. Yeah, like all their new friends they just made. You're all yep. going to die. They are happy. We're happy we're going to go back because we know we will, but we're happy that it's going to suck for you guys when we do. Uh, we see that the natives are still dancing and a priest entreats Mothra and the egg cracks and a giant sort of larva caterpillar thing emerges from the egg. At the paper, Nelson demands that the editor retract something, I guess, they must have printed an article about him enslaving the girls and he wants it retracted, but it's not mm-hmm. ever clear exactly what was said. And, and the news of Mothra comes in over the ticker tape 
Bulldog comes in with a ticker tape to tell us that uh, reports are coming in that Mothra is coming. And then we see, I don't think this, we see the tiny carriage floating in the sky, sort of leaving, leading Mothra through the water. But I think this is just meant to sort of symbolize, visualize the idea that Mothra is following their summons. The carriage isn't actually out there flying yeah. into the ocean. And Mothra, atta- Mothra right. attacks a ship that happens to get in the way. Like, oh, a ship. Well, as long as it's here, I may as well wreck it. <laughs> so, so she does. The press confronts Nelson about this. They're all blaming Nelson for this happening. So everybody seems to know that Mothra's coming for the girls. I guess this must have been what was in the news, the report that Bulldog wrote. And they're all blaming him. And he's Nakamura is the name of one of Nelson's henchmen, his main sidekick guy. And he says, it's got nothing to do with us. And Nelson's like, you've got no proof. And Nakamura says, we've done nothing wrong. Yeah, you have. You kidnapped and enslaved a couple <laughs> of young ladies. And we'll complain to the embassy. And what I want to know is why did Nelson bring the girls to Japan? Why didn't he just take them to Relisica? Then he might not have had this issue. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why he set up shop in a foreign country and is putting on his show somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Chujo huh. and Bulldog try to see the girls again, but some thugs get in the way. So Bulldog's like, I'll hold them off while you go. And then he does. Yeah. He totally does, which is um, amazing. But there's this part here right before he does where he says, and maybe this is just like a translation issue, but he says, we're licked. And I was like, like, is that the same as saying like, we're fucked? Yeah, li- licked is, a, I mean, it's our, people don't say it anymore, but being beaten, getting licked, we're beat. Oh, okay. 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 I see. I it's see. An old, we're yeah. licked. I was like, ah, It's an old timey term for, for, uh being screwed or, or getting beaten. Uh, see, but it's a, yeah, it's okay. a very silly fight, a very comedic fight, or it's intended to be comedic. You can judge for yourself whether it's actually funny. But a silly fight ensues and Bulldog wins. Yeah, he does. He kicks yeah. his ass. Chujo asks the fairies if they can stop Mothra, and they're like, nope, it's hopeless. <laughs> Nothing can stop her now. And then they drive <laughs> off in their little carriage to go do the show. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, well, it's curtain time. Gotta go. <laughs> Mosudra, and places at five. (laughs) Chujo says, "Well, there's one thing that can stop him: telepathy." But that's not exactly what he means. He has an idea to stop the telepathy from summoning, continuing to summon Mothra. Telepathy, hey baby. Do you remember that song, Deborah? I do not. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't have. Tell me what's on your mind. <laughs> I'll send it to you later. <laughs> They're conferring now with Dr. Harada, who has a substance that can block radio waves and should be able to block telepathy if they make a box out of it and put the girls in the box. So basically a Faraday cage for telepathy. A plane spots Mothra and the military does some quick map work. Yay! It's headed for Tokyo. Yay! And uh, I'm, I'm going to vote, uh, or I'm going to say Mothra's Screech is a solid 8 <laughs> out of 10. 
Month. Yep. Uh, at the paper, news comes in that the Relisican government is backing Nelson. They're going to protect his rights to keep slaves, apparently. Protect his property rights, they say. But it's the property of human beings. Yeah, they're only a foot high, but they still appear to be human beings. Uh, planes attack Mothra. They drop. I thought they were depth charges at first, but they appear to be barrels that were dropping something so that these missiles could then set the surface of the ocean on fire, which they do, but it doesn't seem to bother Mothra at all. She just plows right through it. <laughs> yeah, Mothra's a little bit of a badass. She can swim. She can go yeah. through fire. Uh, it does mean that some poor actor inside of that suit in the water had to flop through <laughs> the burning oil. <laughs> some of these guys uh, occasionally got hurt making these movies uh, yeah, especially sometimes in the suits when they're sh- shooting missiles at some of these suits they might occasionally catch on fire and <laughs> inhale a little bit yeah. of smoke nobody's died as far as I recall but uh, it sometimes was a little rough going at the theater the gang has given Nelson the box and is trying to convince him to use it but he's like you're too late with this box Mother's dead they seem to believe from the, the attack that happened out at the ocean that they killed Mothra. And they're all like, just use this box, dumbass. Uh, and one of his, there's a guy in the background just polishing his gun, just there at the theater in a dressing room, <laughs> polishing his gun. And the girls sing from inside the box. Uh, Nelson agrees to take the box just as a souvenir, but he's convinced Mothra's dead. And they're like, we're not doing this for you. We want to stop Mothra from killing thousands of innocent people. When she comes uh-huh. to get the girls back, uh, still don't understand why the Japanese authorities have not just intervened, regardless of what Relisica says about it. Near the shore, Mothra approaches, and Nelson escorts the gang out, and invites them to stay for the show, and then he gets a call telling him to cancel the show, but he refuses. It's not all clear who is calling to tell him this. Maybe his government? I, yeah. su- I guess it was his government calling to tell him, or they never say. Michi arrives to say that something has happened at the dam. Let's go find out. A toy dam. Yes. Mothra is cracking her way through the dam. So I guess Mothra came near the shore and swam upriver to the other side of the dam. I'm not sure that's how dams work, but she's on the full side of the dam trying to break through, mm-hmm. I think. And the girls sing in their cage and Nelson tells them to shut up. Hmm. the dam is breaking a policeman tries to stop the reporters from getting too close it's dangerous get back it's about to go and people and cars are evacuating across the dam and this is a little confusing it doesn't seem like they just happen to be there already because there's one family Mm -hmm. that appears to have taken the time to pack all of their shit onto a cart and are dragging it on foot across the the dam but we didn't see any sort of general evacuation order go out like we often do yeah is this the card that lost the baby yes so there's a among all the boxes and trunks and shit that are packed on this cart there's a basket with a baby in it just sitting on the back (laughs) and it falls off and they don't they don't see it at first until they get to the other side of the dam and they look back and they're like, oh, no, my baby. <laughs> and they just stand there. So Bulldog has to run and go <laughs> rescue the baby because, you know, he's one of our heroes. So he has to do the heroic thing yeah. instead of just 
I don't know, the baby's parents yeah. taking responsibility. And then we see that uh, little uh, Shinji is sneaking around the theater. Well, we see the guys looking for him. They know that he's in there somehow. Mm-hmm. And the thugs are looking around. Where's that kid? I know that kid's in here. Let's go look over here. And he's been hiding in some kind of chicken costume. Yeah. That was sitting on a, there's a chicken costume sitting on a bench. And after they leave, it moves and he was hiding under it. And he goes into the dressing room and takes the box off of the girls and is like, all, my name's Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. (laughs) And they're just like, oh, Mothra will come soon. You should not stay. This is not safe. Yeah. She's coming and she's going to kill you all. You're all going to die down here. Yes. His plan is to take them to his house. Then Mothra will destroy your house when she comes. And my brother will return you to the island. And then the Nelson and his men fi- find him and chase him around the theater. He gets caught and they hit him and tie him up. And bound the, and gag him. Yeah, this little kid whose brother has lost track of where he is and apparently has no parents. Uh, at the paper, the Relisican embassy has backed down and has ordered the immediate release of the girls. So maybe it was them that called and told him to cancel the show. Bulldog and Chujo and some other doctors arrive at the theater and find Shinji tied up and unconscious. Nelson has left with the girls. We don't know at this point where the girls are, but yeah, we find out that he's just taken them and gone. I, he, Nelson is just, he's just obsessed with these girls. He, I don't, I mean, he's just a bad guy doing bad guy shit, but it doesn't really make any sense. Um, At this point, they become a liability and a monster's coming to get them. But he just refuses. He seems to have this attitude of like, they're mine and no one's going to take them from me. Not even some big old monster. So he runs off with them. Michi tells us the Mothra is getting closer, moving towards Tokyo. And we see Mothra moving across the countryside. Planes attack to... Boom, 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 yep, violent yep. And of toy course, things. As usual, it does no good. Mothra tears shit up. <laughs> Panic in the streets. PA instructs people to evacuate. Uh, tanks shoot at Mothra. No use. Missiles, bombs. They all make with the bang bang, and it does no good. She just keeps coming. Crashes through a lot of buildings. And we see Nelson and Nakamura are in a car trying to get away, but they're caught up in everybody else trying to get away. And Nelson's got a suitcase, which obviously. The girls are inside the suitcase. Probably can't breathe very well. Yeah. Mothra is now at the foot of Tokyo Tower. Uh, a radio tells us that she's at the foot of Tokyo Tower. Now, didn't we see this tower in either Godzilla or Godzilla Raids again? I think this is this. Oh. Uh, I think it, it kind of vaguely looks like the Eiffel Tower. And apparently it's a big radio tower. And yeah, I think it does. in. One of those two movies, there was a reporter on that same tower If it, who, who was like, oh, nice. no, Godzilla's coming. We're, I'm going to die now. Uh, I didn't bother going back to check, but I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's the same tower. So I guess they've rebuilt it <laughs> since Godzilla wrecked it. Um, yeah. If it's just, oh, and the radio guy tells us, if it's destroyed, we will broadcast from alternate facilities. Mothra climbs up the tower and sort of pulls the top half down kind of 
accidentally, I guess, onto herself and falls on her back. And the army's just like, oh, hold your fire. Uh-huh. She's she's down. But then she starts spitting silk up into the air, brings down a helicopter with it. <laughs> the uh, the city's on fire. Yeah. The uh, there's fire. The city's on fire. Fire trucks running around. Uh, the tank guys report that the monster's spinning a cocoon. The army says, uh, we have time to find and release the girls, but we don't know where he is. He, he's trying to board a plane to Relisica with the girls in a suitcase. Oh, we, we see that he's trying to board a plane with the girls. Um, Michi mentions that a special ge- special jet is leaving for Relisica tonight. And they all just kind of sit there and think about it for a minute. But before... <laughs> They're like, yeah, but, yeah, and that must be where he's at. Bulldog's like, wait, has the plane left yet? Like, then it occurs to them, wait, maybe we could stop them. But they don't. <laughs> they don't run to the airport. Also, it felt weird to me that now that Mothra's building the cocoon, everyone, like, kind of stops what they're doing. It feels like, isn't this, yeah. like, maybe the most vulnerable that the Mothra's going to be? Shouldn't we be attacking now? But no... Everyone's yeah. just like, oh, it's building a cocoon. Let's just sit here and fucking figure yeah. it out. We'll They're like, just time watch out. it and like, maybe have a beer. Cocoon time. Uh, <laughs> no no fair attacking while she's making a cocoon. Yeah, well, how about some flamethrowers set that cocoon on fire? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they don't rush to the airport or, or get there just as the plane's leaving or anything like that. They just think about it, but then don't fall. Maybe that's part that was cut from the Japanese version. Maybe that, yeah, maybe there was something about that that they trimmed for the American version, and that's why it doesn't seem to make sense. Then we cut to some military HQ where the realistic ambassador offers any weapons to help. We've got an atomic heat gun. You want that? And I said, how about you just force your (laughs) shitty citizens to give up their slaves? Maybe that would help. Yeah, it's a good start. In the morning, the reporters did not stop the plane. Mothra's in her cocoon. The ray guns are set up, and these look like similar ray guns from the Mysterians. They're big sort of satellite dish looking things. And they, everybody says that the attack's going to begin at 10 o'clock sharp and don't look at it without these special glasses on. And then there's a countdown to the attack. And yeah, but it's not in seconds. It's like, you know, the countdown you would think would be like 10, nine, eight, but this was like 10, 9, 8, 7, <laughs> 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was in a hurry to fire those weapons. <laughs> yeah, uh, the cocoon catches yeah. on fire and everybody's congratulating everybody but and because they think they've done it. Nelson arrives at his farm in Relisica with a bunch of his flunkies and he listens to a report on the radio that Mothra's dead and they fucking do just straight up evil bad guy laughter they do like the three of them just like Mwah. and the girls start singing a different mothra song then the cocoon hatches Aww. and mothra emerges now and she's beautiful yes, she's in a big moth form now and the wings her sparkly yeah. eyes the wings her wings make a huge wind that just blows over tanks and trucks and 
uh, and there's a yeah. She just flap flap flaps everybody out. And of when the she's flying, way. there's also a where are my babies. <laughs> there's also a a noise, a kind of a noise when she's flying. It's sort of you know electronic mm-hmm. sound. I can't really replicate it, but a a wavy sort of a electronic noise when she flies. And heads off to find Nelson. At Nelson's house, the radio reports that he is wanted. And he slaps henchmen around and gets in the car. And we cut to a... Yeah, they're like, the whole country will be chasing us. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Smack. <laughs> How dare you give me an accurate assessment of the situation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we cut to a Pan Am flight. The reporters are on a plane uh, heading to Relisica, I guess, and Chinju shows up. And hey, I'm here too. The Relisican embassy sent me to negotiate for the girls. They, I don't know why they could just send this Japanese oh. linguist. <laughs> this is definitely some uh, some philo going on here. This linguist and this and these two reporters. Uh-huh are running around everywhere and being sent places that they don't really have any business and, and are taking full <laughs> responsibility for fixing this situation when really it should be somebody else's problem. But but when you live in a tiny yeah. toy town, you know, who makes the rules? <laughs> who makes the rules? <laughs> There's an announcement on the plane that Mothra has attacked Newkirk City. So I guess that's the Relisican equivalent of New York City. I don't know. I don't know where Old Kirk mm-hmm. City is. Uh, old Old York is in <laughs> is in England, is in, but I don't know where Kirk is. Uh, where yeah, Old where Kirk Old Kirk is. Kirk is. We cut to New Kirk <laughs> and anti aircraft guns shoot at Mothra. Nelson's trying to get away and. Yeah, here I wrote, why is he obso- so obsessed with keeping the girls? Just set the case down and walk away, and Mothra will come get them, and you'll be fine. On the street, people uh-huh. recognize Nelson because he's wanted now, and everybody knows this is his fault, and they stop him. And he gets out of the car and just starts shooting. Yeah, he has some weird PTSD blackface moment. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's, as the crowd's approaching him, he flashes back to the natives surrounding him. And and mm-hmm. starts shooting, and the police shoot him, and kill him. And what? Bobby. And then some guy gets the suitcase and starts trying to calm down the crowd. This guy seems to be in charge, but they never tell us who he is. It's a it's a white guy. It's a realistican white guy, unlike the Japanese Russian realistican guy that they just shot. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, most of Relisicans <laughs> appear to be white. And none of the rest of them sound Russian. But <laughs> there you go. And this guy's trying to calm the crowd, and he's got the suitcase. And Mothra blows all the toys around. And then the gang shows up out of nowhere. You know, uh, the, gang, gang. The, the Bulldog and, and Michi and, and uh, Chiju, they, they just show up on the steps of this building where the guy is with the case. They somehow knew or just coincidentally were passing by. I don't know. They're just there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is where they say that thousands were dead. 
The thousands. Yes. Report of thousands dead. Newkirk City in ruins. So she's been tearing up everything. So maybe the kill count is just the. Yeah. So that might just be what we see on screen or what they suppose that we see on screen. I don't know. Uh, But it's it's high. Mm -hmm. The weird thing is, though, we don't really see much of it. We see, yeah. We, we see some natives get gunned down, and we see uh, this. I can't take credit for this insight. This was in the book I was reading. That in previous movies, we got to see a lot of the effect of the monster attack on the people, like in Godzilla, where we see all the wounded people being brought into the hospital and that kind of stuff, uh-huh. and. Uh, remember the the mother and the children that were waiting to die yeah in this movie yeah, that's all kind of glossed yeah. over and mostly happens off camera so it's yeah. all just much more safer and kid friendly i guess uh and a, a church hmm. bell rings and they look up and there's a big cross on top of a church with the sun shining from behind it and this reminds chujo of the inscription in the cave and Michi says the bells sound like the girls' voices. They do not. They do Annoying. not sound like the girls' voices. <laughs> but can we use mm-hmm. the bells in the cross somehow? So, I mean, this is just some nonsense bullshit. Stupid but ass Ch- bullshit. Chujo asked yeah. the Relisican guy, the, 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 the dude that seems to be in charge, to, he pulls out his little book. And he's like, paint this symbol, which did vaguely look like a cross. So it's the symbol from the writings in the cave. Paint. He, he thinks that it has a religious significance to Mothra because he saw the sun shining at him from behind a cross. Paint this symbol on the airport runway and then ring all the bells in town at three o'clock. They all need to ring at the same time, and we're just three o'clock should be enough time to paint this thing on the runway, I guess. So we see trucks painting the runway while Mothra continues to tear shit up. And the wind is also causing big waves out in the ocean. The gang arrives at the airport at precisely three. The bells ring. Mothra approaches and comes in for a landing. <laughs> just, just sits down right on top of where they painted the symbol. And now let's open the case. So they uh, open the suitcase and let the girls out. And they're all, and the girls are just like, thank you very much. Thank you, good friends. Sayonara. And they like curtsy. Yeah. And there they go. They curtsy and wave. <laughs> and even though it's dubbed, everybody says sayonara. Even though they haven't been speaking Japanese. Sayonara. Sayonara. Uh, sayonara. Which at least will, will fit with their mouth movements in the dubbing. But it's just weird that this is the only Japanese word we've heard. <laughs> Other than people's names. Um, and Bulldog says, if you want to come back someday, you know, please do. That, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. What if they came? Don't do that. What if they came willingly on vacation, but Mothra didn't understand and just followed them anyway? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we want to be here this time. Like, no, you're in trouble. I'm going to rescue you. I don't want to be rescued. We're just on vacation. Uh, but they all wave Sayonara and Bulldog's like, well, I've got a story to write. And Michi, oh, Michi, I forgot to take a picture. 
Damn it, Michi, you had L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O. one job. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O. The thing is, Mothra's still there flying away. She has time. She's got the camera with her. She could still get some pictures. Just not a close-up of the girl standing in front of Mothra. I don't know. Fucking Michi. Uh, it was just like that like sitcom TV yeah, moment. Like, exactly. Michi. Because it's, com- it's a comedy. Back on the island, the girls yeah. and the tribe sing. And the, a rock with the symbols carved in it r- rises up and I guess is meant to be sealing Mothra back in. But we don't actually see Mothra going, you know, back behind... Uh, the altar or the temple or whatever. But I think that's the idea they're trying to get across that Mothra is going to go back to sleep for now or whatever, crawl back into her egg. I don't know what she's going to do. I think almost every time we see Mothra, I think when we see Mothra in the future, she often has to start back out in her larva form and cocoon again. I'm pretty sure there's some movies where we get multiple Mothras, where there's a Mothra, but then there's some eggs. The current Mothra has laid some eggs. We'll we'll find out as we go. We will find out. What's next week? Oh, wait, wait, wait. How many stars? Oh, uh, I'm going to give it four. I like it. I mean, there's a bunch of silly, there's a bunch of silly nonsense, but this is, but it's fun. The girls are pretty and sing nice. Mothra is a different kind of, a kaiju uh i read that the bandai the company that tends to make the toys at one point just quit making the mothra because kids didn't seem to understand that she was a monster they they weren't uh, selling well because i mean it looks like a toy butterfly not like a a monster like the other ones yeah like the other ones do uh but right mothra will be so this is another one where Starts out her own movie, but then gets incorporated into the greater Godzilla universe. Yeah, and will continue. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give the movie a three, three, but I'm gonna give Mothra a four. <laughs> okay, like as far as monsters go, yeah. she's one of my favorites. Yeah. But I say the movie's three. Uh, she'll be back in like Mothra versus Godzilla, and then Godzilla versus Mothra. And in the 90s, and in, in a bunch of, there's some where Mothra's a, the, sort of the main antagonist and others where Godzilla and Mothra together team up against other monsters like uh, King Ghidorah and things like that. Mothra appears in a bunch. But then in the 90s gets her own little miniseries of three movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Re- Rebirth of Mothra. And then the cleverly titled... Rebirth of Mothra 2 and Rebirth of Mothra 3. And uh, she will continue to appear right up to the, the current movies. Mothra was in uh, Kong versus Godzilla. So... Hell yeah. There we go. So yeah, we like... Uh, so you like Mothra herself? As a yeah. Creature. yeah. I like, Mo- I I like Mothra too. Mosara. And I really like the song. It's a fun little song. Mm-hmm. Next week is Reptilicus. Reptilicus. Reptilicus, which sounds is... like a like a book in the Bible. <laughs> Today's reading comes from the book of Reptilicus, chapter one, <laughs> verses seven through fourteen. <laughs> Reptilicus is a nineteen sixty one Danish American co production. 
also by AIP, American International Pictures, who did uh, Conga. Conga. Hell yeah. They made two versions of the movie. They they basically filmed two versions at the same time, I believe. A Danish language version and an American language version. So they basically, with almost the same cast, they filmed an American version with in English with a nearly identical cast. But I think a different director. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into all of that next week when we talk about uh, and then after that will be King Kong versus Godzilla. We'll be ah. moving into 1962. I miss something. So, and then we will be we will be in Japan for quite a while. Once we get to King Kong and Godzilla, we're in Japan for quite a quite a stretch. Nice. But we're going to be firmly in the Godzilla era of this stuff. So we have that to, to look forward to. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Send us an email at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com or a voicemail at anchor.fm slash mmftg. Until next week, remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. And don't miss you, science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mmftg.